Um, if you would go ahead and turn to uh, turn to First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two. We're going to start here. Um, and what I want to do is we're going to go through quite a few verses uh, just to kind of remind ourselves of some of the things uh, that we've been dealing with. And of course, we've been talking about the threefold makeup of man, um, the spirit, soul, and the body. And of course, that comes out of First Thessalonians chapter two, verse or chapter five, verse twenty-three. Um, and we've gone through that quite quite extensively. Um, but I want to focus more on each of those individual parts uh, as we look forward. So we're going to start here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, let's start with verse 9, and then we'll, uh, we'll just read 9, 10, and 11, and then we'll get going. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word, and you've provided it for us, uh, that we can have it, we can handle it, we can study it, and we can uh, apply it to our lives. And as we take a look at these these parts uh, to come to a greater knowledge and appreciation of the Word. Um, and as Randy said this morning, it is the Word that, uh, that we live by, uh, just trusting exactly what the words on the page say, because we know that you are the author um, of the Scriptures and that uh, we, through patience, comfort those Scriptures, might have hope. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, as we go through here, there's a couple things that's really interesting. And... Uh, <clears throat> There's, there's also, there's two things that, that I found out this past week that's really, really handy. Um, one is um, on Facebook, there's this thing called unfollow. <laughs> and you get to like not see what that person posts anymore because you know they're posting about you, and you're like, I'm just going to remove myself from this and just let them be what they want to be and move on. And you just kind of, your life becomes a whole lot more simpler after that. You're like, oh, well, I don't see it, so it doesn't exist, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Um, And it has to do with some of these things that we've been teaching here lately, and that's fine. Uh, It is what it is. But what do we notice here in verse 11? He says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God, what's those next three words? That's good to know, right? What's the verse say? The things of God knoweth no man, but how? The spirit of God. So, can you understand this Bible without having the spirit? No. Can you know it? You can, you, can, you can memorize some verses, but you don't understand it, right? There's a difference between knowing something and understanding it, right? And that's one of the things we've talked about. Um, and what's, what's interesting is, as we go through here, one of the things that we notice here at the very beginning is verse 11. He says, what? For what man knoweth the things of a man save the what? Spirit of man, which is in him. 
Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given unto, uh, given to us of God. So how is it that we can learn and understand and know what God's done is what? He's given us His Spirit. And that His Spirit takes up residence where? Inside of us. And so then when we look at these, notice He says, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And one of the things that we talked about that before is, you notice it doesn't say spiritual things with spiritual things. And the way I've always used that verse years ago was, that verse says compare verse with verse. But that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about there is, notice what's taking place, but which, but which the Holy Ghost, what? Teacheth comparing spiritual things and we've talked about that that's the what it's the word itself with what spiritual so he's talking about the person the individual so what is it that the holy spirit does is he takes the spiritual things out of the scripture and compares and says this is not what what you have stored up in your soul and what's going to happen is the spirit can't use a verse that you don't have stored up in you does that make sense God's not going to overpower our will. Never. What he's going to do, though, is he's going to take his word and put it in you. And then what we get to do is we get to believe that verse when we need to. And if it's not there, the Holy Spirit can't teach us what's not there. He's going to be, and again, it's not, I'm not going to overpower you and make you do things. Verse 14, and this is, this is something that's really interesting. Verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he what? Can a, can a natural man know what God's doing? According to that verse, no. Can't do it. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. So then, when it comes to this, can we know, can a saved person know what's, what God's doing? Yes. Can an unsaved person know? The answer is, notice he says there what? Natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Now, it's interesting when you look at that. This is, this is a function of the Spirit, our Spirit, right? And the Spirit knows, the Holy Spirit knows and communicates information. And that information is dealing with what? It takes into account our memories, our, our, our understanding, our vocabulary, the things that we have, the frame of reference that we have stored up in us. And he's doing that to do certain things. Go real quick to Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> How is this going to go about? And this is, this is part of what we've talked about before. Notice here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, he says, uh, and we looked at this last Sunday morning, but verse 22, he says, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed where? The spirit of your mind. So one of the things we've talked about real quick is there's a spirit, and it's the spirit of our mind. We think a certain way and what paul's telling them in, in ephesus and by by extension us is what 
don't think the way that you used to think. Don't think according to how the world out there teaches you to think. Because you're going to be taught a certain way based on that wisdom. And what's Paul saying here is what? Be renewed where? In the spirit of your mind. So that's where this stuff is going to be taking place. Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, the, the, one, of the, one of the things that Paul is dealing with, in fact, we'll start off in chapter 1 because there's a couple of things there I want us to be able to see. Um, Philippians chapter 1, let's just start in verse 27. He says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit. How? with one mind well what's interesting about that is is how can a group of people walk in one mind is what we've got a holy spirit that uses the same book to teach each person what should end up happening is all of us should have what one mind we should be able to get to the point where we think the same way should does it always happen no <laughs> unfortunately but what he what he's doing there and and what's interesting about this is he starts off in verse 27 he says what only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of christ well that conversation has to do with what has to do with the walk really right this thing over here where should this right here show up is there right and just because somebody's doing something good doesn't mean that they're saved, doesn't mean that they're doing things right, doesn't mean they're believing the right thing because you're not looking to the fruit to inspect, right? But what should happen is what? And what's interesting is Mary and Daniel, they're not here this morning with us, but we were, she came over to the house, Delilah's birthday, she came over to the house, um, took Delilah out to eat and all fun kinds of stuff after that. Afterwards, she came back and we were talking and she said, people that she knows looks at them and says, you all are different than you were a year ago. But it's because they're doing this, but they're not consciously, well, I'm going to go be different. All they're doing is what? They're allowing their mind to be renewed day by day. And we're all that way. And I've said what's interesting is I can look back on myself a year, two years, three years, six months ago, and say, wait a minute, I'm not doing the same things I did back then. It's not because I made a conscious effort to do this, this. It's just what? That happens. Do you know what that tells me? The Word of God works. Where does it work? It's going to work there. Where is it going to show up is over here. And he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye what? What's interesting is, is what is it that Paul's looking for here? He's not looking for, um, did you give enough? Did you go down to the men's shelter and pass out food? All that stuff. What's he look for? What's the fruit, if you will, that he's looking for is what? That you stand fast, how? In one spirit with one mind striving how together 
for the faith of the gospel. That's what he's looking for. He's saying that's what our conversation should look like. That's what our walk should look like. That we're all what? Standing together, standing fast. And we've talked about what's it mean to stand fast. I'm not moving. I choose to stand on the verses and just say, let the verses be the issue. And I'm not going to be moved or pushed off side to side. And unfortunately, sometimes that does happen. Verse 28 says, And nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. Now here's where he starts getting into it. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy... That ye what? Be like-minded. What is it that the whole Bible is about is what? Changing the way that we think. Why? Because we've been taught a certain way to act, to believe, and to think our entire lives. And it's contrary to what the scriptures actually say. And if you don't know the scriptures, it won't work in you. Right? The verse that Randy read this morning, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We know and love that. Why is it that the word of God will work in them is because they have to what? Believe it. And it's going to work for us the exact same way. Well, where does it start? Right there, right? Um, the Spirit's the issue. Um, be, be, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of, there it is again, one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Do you know what the one mind end up be, it ends up being? Is you choose based on the verses, I'm going to believe the verse and I'm going to do what? I'm going to look at every person in this room and say, I'm going to treat you better than I treat myself. And if each one of us do that, do you know what happens? You'd be amazed what would happen. But it's this, right? And what's interesting is he's saying, he's, he said, he's doing it here. Notice in verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Do you know what somebody's saying? I want everybody to look at my fruit and say, well, that guy's got it going on. Do you know what that is? Vainglory. It's a show of the flesh. He says, look at what I've done. Look at this. Look at this. I might, be, I might be better than somebody else because of this right here. That's that right there. It's that vainglory. What did Paul tell, him, tell the folks in Ephesus about the vain thinking? <laughs> Don't do it, right? <clears throat> but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And then he tells us, look not everyone on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's what it means to esteem other better than yourself. That I'm going to look after and look not on myself, but I'm going to look after everybody else before I would look after myself. And then you've got the greatest example of that. And in verse 5, and again, notice he says, let this mind be in you. Well, what mind? What's the one mind that he's talking about up in chapter 1, verse 27? What's the one mind that he's talking about in chapter 2, verse 2? 
what's he talking about here is this mind. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and made in the likeness of men and was made in likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he what? Humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know what he said? He said, I'm going to esteem the creation, all mankind, better than myself. And it's the greatest example of, I'm going to put everybody else up before myself. But he was God. <laughs> I mean, have you ever stopped and thought about that God chose to come down and be a part of his creation in flesh for the whole whole strict purpose of dying for that, that creation. To redeem them from themselves. Now, none of us are going to do that. But do we see that's something that the God that created heaven and earth chose to do? That's esteeming other better than themselves. That's the mindset. Where is that going to start? It starts here, right? Second um, Timothy chapter one, <clears throat> and there's a bunch of different ones we can go through, but I just I pulled some out just to kind of remind ourselves. <coughs> and this was Second Timothy chapter one. This verse was running rampant during COVID. Um. We'll start here in verse 6. He says, Wherefore, put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and what? A sound mind. You know what a sound mind does? A sound mind is going to make it easy to stand. But he's saying what? He's given to us what's, what's interesting you look at this, the spirit, he's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of power. Well, it's not just of power, it's the what? The spirit of power and the spirit of love and the spirit of a sound mind. That's how we are able to communicate with the Trinity. The Godhead is right there. That's what First First Corinthians chapter 2 is talking about. Natural man can't do that, right? We've talked about that, gone through that. Now, what that has to do with, again, is our mentality, our thinking. Now, go real quick to Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Um, Let's just start here in verse verse 16. Romans chapter 6, verse 16, he says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now pause for a second. Who is it that Paul is talking to here? He's talking to saved individuals in Rome and by us, us by extension he says know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey 
whether of what? Sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You have a choice. What do we do with our what do we do with it with what we know? Notice he starts off says, Know ye not, which means what? You should know this, <laughs> right? And we should, we do. He's saying, You now have a choice. You're no longer under the control of sin. You now have a choice to do sin unto death or to be able to do what? Obedience unto righteousness. Obedience to what? What the verses say. Choose to believe what's there. Notice what he says. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed what? From the heart that form of doctrine was delivered unto you. Now, where is it that you believe? Heart. So we change our mind. We, we, we change our thinking by knowing some stuff. And then when does it really actually make a change is when we actually obey from the heart. That form. Notice he says that form of doctrine. Paul talks to Timothy about the form of sound words. There's a form. There's a structure to it. Right? Romans 16, 25, and 26. There's a structure to it. Your Bible, Paul's epistles are laid out in that, in that fashion. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. There's a form to it. That's the form that he gives you. Doctrine of proof correction, doctrine of proof correction, doctrine of proof correction, instruction and in righteousness. There's a way that that works. But notice he says, <clears throat> But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered un which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. And then he spends a little bit of time talking about what? You can either take what you know and believe it, and then that is going to show up out here in your conversation, or you can choose to do what? Choose to sin. And what happens? Sin produces what? Death. And that's functional death, right, as we talked about before. Um, go real quick. First, first Samuel. There's a bunch of them here. We might not get to them all, but First Samuel chapter 16. <clears throat> you're not going to function the way you're supposed to. You can't, you can't live as a saint if you're not functioning as one. Yeah. You can't, you're still a saint. You're just not functioning properly. That's that idea that we talked about in the last few weeks about opposing yourself, right? If, if, I, if I know that I have peace with God, but I live my life not applying that peace to my life, I'm opposing myself. I'm not, I'm not functioning the way I should. So you're also denying your identity. You're denying your identity. It all goes together. Because that's, that's the issue, like what you brought up last time with Romans chapter 8. The, the identity is what we live. And if we don't live the identity then it's just, it's still true that we are that. It's just, but I can choose not to live 
that way and I'm opposing myself and I, I don't function the way I'm supposed to function. Yeah. Because what happens is a lot of people take that over in Romans chapter 8 about being dead or even that what we just read and they'll say, well, you've lost your salvation. That's not what it is. You can't lose salvation, but you're not going to function the way that you should. Yeah. Yeah. They're still, they're still in job. Yeah. 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 I mean that, that, that goes to any any aspect of, of job or whatever, right? I mean, there there are people that have children that are parents, but they're not parents because they're not functioning as parents. Right? It's that same idea. You're you are complete in Christ, but if you don't function as you're supposed to, as a person who is complete in Christ, you're not going to live complete as Christ, as being complete in Christ. You're going to choose not to, and then you're going to end up functioning opposite or opposing what you should be functioning as. And yeah, praise the Lord, we can't be fired, <clears throat> right? But I mean, when you look at that, that that's that issue of being functionally dead, right? You're acting as an unsaved person. That's what Paul is talking about with the folks in Ephesus in chapter 4, right? Walk not as other Gentiles walk. Don't walk like a natural man. Walk like a spiritual. And that's that's what happens. Um, but that's a good question. <clears throat> no. All that, all that would be, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's part of your sanctification. Yeah. Um, and that's why when we first started First Timothy, we were talking about don't be a flatline Christian. People are like, I'm okay to just be saved. I don't need to know anything else, right? Um, that's that idea. Well, you're saved. What's interesting is you can have a person that's saved 60 years, never move on, but they're just as complete as a person that gets saved and studies and finds out who they are in Christ. The only difference is their life here is going to be mess. And then they're not going to be qualified for whatever position. And that, that's, that's, you know, you don't do stuff to get a position. You just do stuff because you believe the verses. And it's him working in you to produce that. Um, and what it is is you're, at, you're, you're literally saying, Spirit, don't work in me. Is what, what we do sometimes when we say, I don't want to function that way. Spirit, don't, don't do your job to teach me to function properly. And that's what we're doing. I don't think that that would be the motivation because, and we'll talk about that once, you know, in the other, the other session, once we get there, grace is the motivation for everything. Now, what's interesting is, is the, the reward singular, because it's a, it's a one singular reward that will be based on grace as well. Um, because it's him working through you to produce the life now. And he's going to reward you for the work that he's done in you that you've allowed him to do in you. Hmm? 
Well, the grace motivates you, not I want to get a higher position is what I'm saying. Yeah. And we don't know. He does. He does. And the idea there is what? Run the race the way you should. Because you know, no matter what, you're going to be there, right? We know 1 Corinthians 3, the judge's feet of Christ, when he talks about it. You don't lose your salvation. You might lose the position because of what you could have had had you believed and done what you're supposed to do. But you're still saved. But you run to win, yeah. And that's the point. Well, you're going to have a position. There's not, there's not somebody that's not going to have a position. Everybody's going to have a position. So when we talk about the fact that there's a job that we're going to be qualified to perform, every person has a position. What we're doing here is we're getting to the point where we're going to say we're going to allow God's word to work in us, and then we're going to be more equipped to do this than we would have this, this year, right? You still have a position. No matter what, everybody's got some position. But our goal is to what? To glorify him now so that we can glorify him later in whatever position we're in. And the idea would be what? Is to do it to the best of your ability is just believe in the verses. Now, it is. And whether, yeah, er, it does. Yeah. And and to go back to like what Eric's saying is we want to run the race best we can, but if we don't know what race we're in, <laughs> we can't prepare for the race, right? Or if we don't know what position we have, we don't know, like, I don't mean position out there, but I mean if we don't know that we're complete in Christ, we don't live that way, we're not going to be able to function in a way now much less then but he's functioning some way through us to glorify himself so his his glory his grace is the reason that we do it when you look over in second timothy chapter two and he talks about um those that inherit eternal life with glory eternal glory eternal it's his glory we we don't want to get caught up thinking that it's we're going to be glorified but it's his glory that he's going to reveal in us one day. That's just, that's amazing. And no matter what position we end up in, left, right, up, down, whatever, it's to his glory. The only difference now is, do we function the way we should now, or do we try to function as who we used to be? They're just positions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's the yeah. It's the same idea. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a finger, you want to function the best way you possibly can as a finger, right? I'll tell you what. If you don't think the pinky's good, cut it off and see what happens. Right. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you know, you look at that stuff every, and when Paul talks about the, the, the whole body jointly fit together and, and supplieth every joint, supplieth 
every member is important. Period, point blank. What happens is a lot of times people say, well, I'll be up here. You'll be down here. That's not how we should think. We could all be a part of his body for eternity and glorify him for eternity. And every part is important. No, and, and that's, that's kind of the way we think. People is like, you know, somebody will have to clean the horse stalls. That's not the issue, right? That's, that's how it is here. And we think of stations rather than, rather than, that's how we've got things set up. And there's a corrupted version to that. So we think, you know, certain stations, like there was a guy, Delilah's cousin, who was a pastor of the church that we used to go to down down. Monticello. He he told me one day he's like, I know your mansion is going to be bigger than mine. I just hope to come visit one day. I was like, I don't, I didn't even get in a mansion, dude. I just you know, you missed the whole thing. Like <laughs> Whoa! But he that that there's a whole bunch of other things too with that. But that's that's the thought process that sometimes we think of the judgment seat of Christ is. Well, I'm going to be up here. And you're going to be here, you know, hey, you're going to be way up there. And it's not that. It's every person gets to function perfectly to his glory in whatever, whatever position. They're going to do it perfectly. That's why, that's why I like the phrase, we're going, to be, we're going to have a job we're qualified to perform. And it's not, you know, and, and what we do in America with education is what do you like to do? Go do that, even if it's mediocre or very bad. Go do it because you like it. A lot of other countries, what they do is, what are you good at? Go perform that. Well, what's going to happen is we're going to like the position that we have, and we're going to be equipped to, to perform that job perfectly for the ages to come based on what we've stored up here. And that's the interesting part to it. And it's not just, you know, what we've, what we've done, and this is not just an American thing, but in churches what we've done is churches to what? Come in, socialize, entertain, go home. That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to meet and talk about these things, to edify one another so that we're constantly growing each other up, building each other up, building up that sound doctrine where it's supposed to be built up, so that it actually has an everlasting effect, not just next week and tomorrow when your stove breaks, but also in eternity. And you're going to be able to function perfectly. Um, and it starts off with we got to know some stuff and we got to believe what we actually know or not. And let it do exactly what it's designed to do to function here. And know that one day it's going to function perfectly without sin. It really is. Um, first, first Samuel chapter sixteen. First Samuel sixteen. Um, notice here. We'll just 
I want to I want to get some of these verses. We'll just read verse seven real quick. Notice, but the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh where? On the heart. That's it. That's what God's looking at. He's not looking at what we've performed, what man performs. What do we know? Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8 tells us what? In the flesh, we cannot please God. And that's what the nation of Israel was trying to do all the time. When we take a look at these things, that's what's taking place. Uh, get Proverbs. Proverbs 23. <clears throat> what, God is, what God is interested in is what is it that you're building up here in your soul? Proverbs chapter 23. And this is, this is a verse we all know, and <clears throat> quote, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. What's, he, what's the issue there is what? The heart's the issue. Notice, for as he thinketh in his heart. So here we change our thinking but what are we doing here as well is we're thinking there too. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, in your heart, do you believe that you're perfect in Christ? We take a look at those things, right? Um, I got some other ones there. Titus chapter 1. I don't want to go through all of them, but I can give you, I can give you a list of, of some that I've got. <clears throat> Titus chapter 1, <clears throat> Titus chapter 1, <clears throat> we'll just start in verse, verse 12. He's talking, about, he's talking about in verse 10, those that are unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. They're teaching things just to make money. Verse 12. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans, verse 12, are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Now, one of the things you got to stop and think about when Paul's writing to Timothy at Ephesus, one of the things he says is what? Don't allow them to change the doctrine. Don't follow fables. Don't follow uh, the, the endless genealogies and all that stuff. What's going to happen with that stuff is it's going to move us away from the truth. And that's exactly what he's talking about there. But notice in verse 15, he says, Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Now, what you have there is, but even their mind, that's their spirit, and their conscience, that's their soul, is defiled. That's the position that these people are in. Those that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. 
They profess that they know God. But in their works, they deny him. Now, what's interesting there is you've got what? Mind, conscience. And then he says, in, they, they profess to know God, but in their works, they deny him. What shows up out here is opposite of what should be there. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate, which just means worthless. And there's people that do what? I'm following the Lord. He told me to do this, this, and this. I'm following the Lord, so this is what I'm going to go do. And what are they? What's, what's the scripture tell us about a person that does that? Their good works are what? Worthless. It's reprobate. That's functional death, right? That's the end result of that. Um, and that's, that takes us back to the Romans chapter 8 stuff. Um, there's a few more I was wanting to get to today, but that's okay. Um, what happens is, <clears throat> I'll just, well, anyway. Your will is a function of your soul, and you can choose to walk according to the verses or not. So when when it when he talks about that that his goal is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, he doesn't say just come to the knowledge of the truth so you can say you know stuff. He wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth so he can work in you by you allowing, and that's what he says over in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Allow it to actually do that. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then it'll actually do that. Um, <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5. Get, go ahead and get uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Galatians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 6 and Galatians 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Galatians 5. <clears throat> and this will get us set up for next week um, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 very simple verse this I say then what walk in the spirit how should we conduct our lives according to what the spirit says Walk in the Spirit. What's going to happen if we do that? And it shall, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right? Put that with 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Walk by faith, not by sight. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. One of the things we talked about about being a servant is this right here. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. <clears throat> He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? A lot of people deny what that verse right there says. Which is what? In you, which ye have current possession of God, and ye are what? Not your own. What we're going to find out is, that right there 
That's not there for us to please ourselves. What's it for? Notice, ye are not your own. Why are we not our own? Ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God where? In your body and where? In your spirit, which are God's. Who do you belong to? Who should we give our life to? God. Why? Because it's not mine to have anymore. This body, the only reason I still have this body is to put it on display for his glory by allowing his word to work through me to produce the life that he's designed it to produce because it no longer belongs to me. Have you ever thought about that? So my, my thing that I've always thought of when we talk about servant is I want to take this body, and we don't do it all the time, but the goal is to do what? Take this body and say, I'm going to choose to offer up my body as a living sacrifice to glorify God. And I should only use this body for one purpose, and that's to glorify Him. How do we do that? Get in the verses, believe them, and allow them to produce in you what He's designed to produce. And then you get down in Galatians chapter 5, a little bit farther down there, he talks about what? The fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit will produce fruit. Don't try to produce the fruit for him. Say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give myself completely and totally up to you. And I do that, and that's the way a, a husband and wife should be too. I should get to the point where I tell Delilah, whatever I need to put this body through to serve you, I'm willing to do it. And she would do the same thing to me. That's that issue of esteeming other better than yourself. I want to choose to use this body to serve you. That's, that's the function of husband and wife. That's the function of parents and children. That's, that's, the, I, that's the function of a, of a church. To say, I want to put myself off. I don't care about me. I don't care about my wants. I don't care about my desires. I care about yours. And I'm going to make this body do what God's word says it's going to do. And what happens is <clears throat> the victory that we already have is evident when we walk in line with what the Spirit of God's doing. And if we don't know what the Spirit of God's doing, we need to find out what the Spirit of God's doing and go do it. And I've had people say, Well, I know that. And what they mean by that is I, I know something in my spirit, my mind, but I don't believe it in my soul. And as we've said before, there's a lot of doctrine out there, a lot of I know stuff, but it's not operative. And when I talked about earlier about <coughs> being able to unfollow it's because the person is not operating the way that they should operate and it's easier for me not to get upset when I see it and I'm like I know exactly what you're talking about just move on don't put yourself in a position to get like that but if it's not operative in our lives what we need to do is what learn it and then reckon it to be true about ourselves and all that takes place right here 
and then we can choose to allow the word work in us to put that on display here and say, I'm going to give it up myself. <clears throat> now, next time we'll talk about emotions. Emotions are good if we use them properly, but it's not, it's the end of the train, not the beginning, right? It's the caboose, not the engine. We'll talk about that <clears throat> next time. So, questions, comments, concerns?